Hey, good morning, my church family. It is an absolute honor to be able to share with you this morning on this day that we set aside every year to, to honor and acknowledge all of our mums and the awesome work that they do. Uh, some of you may be rightfully wondering what on earth has this 28-year-old single childless lady um, got to say about parenting and why on earth is she giving the Mother's Day address this year? Uh, and the answer to that is that I have a mum that I love and appreciate so, so much. Uh, but also over the past year, the Lord has just been really revealing to me um, the benefit and the value of being planted in a church community that loves and appreciates its kids. Uh, and my sister Abby, at my sister Abby's wedding last year, um, someone came up to my dad at the reception and he said to my dad and complimented him on the fact that all of his daughters were really comfortable and confident on stage and comfortable public speaking. Um, and my dad very wisely said to him that one of the reasons for that was that our girls had been brought up in church. And so today, one, I, as well as sharing with all of you some of the things that I love and appreciate about my mum, um, I'm also going to be sharing with you all uh, some of the things that I love and appreciate about, appreciate about all of the women at our St. Albans Baptist Church community and the impact that each of you have actually had on my journey to date. Uh, so we're going to launch right in. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to head to John chapter 2. It's a very well-known piece of scripture. Uh, often used when we're talking about faith or miracles as it tells the story of Jesus' first miracle of turning water into wine. Um, and while we all, I love the use of the, of the scripture in all of those different contexts and it's absolutely applicable and true, one of the things that I love about the scripture that I feel is often understated is actually Mary, Jesus' mother, her role in making this miracle happen. Um, so if you have your Bibles with you, uh, John chapter 2, uh, verse 1. Um, and it says, On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. And there are two things that just strike me so profoundly about that piece of scripture. Uh, the first is, is that Mary calls out the potential in her son. She doesn't say to Jesus, go and turn the water into wine. She doesn't tell him what to do. She simply make sure that he's aware of the situation and I think in doing so and saying there's no wine. What she's doing is beautifully calling out his potential and his capacity to change that situation. And the second thing that I love about this passage is that even though Jesus says, woman, my time has not yet come, which by the way, I was quite like, whoa, Jesus, that's quite a, a harsh way to, to refer to your mother, woman. Uh, but turns out after a bit of research, that was a perfectly appropriate way back then to, to um, uh, uh, approach your mother. So he wasn't doing anything disrespectful here. Uh, but essentially, he says to his mum, 
it's not it's not my time yet mum what do you want me to do about it uh, but even though he says that even though he is hesitant his mum goes out anyway and she tells the servants whatever he says to you do it she prepares the way she creates the foundation she makes the space for the opportunity and so um, Mary knows who her son is she knows what his potential is what his capacity is um, and what he is on the planet to do and I think beautifully here she calls out his potential and she creates the opportunity for him to act and to realize who he is and the ministry um, and what he is called forth to do and as we per know uh, in verse 11 uh, it talks about how Jesus actually does respond to that opportunity he does turn the water into wine and that it is the start of his ministry and um, really it says in verse 11 which I just love that his glory was manifested and his disciples believed in him and I just think the role of Mary in making that happen and launching Jesus' ministry is significant and profound. And just as Jesus called, just as Mary called out her son's potential and his capacity and provided the opportunity for him uh, to, to really realize his potential, um, so has my mother um, really called out the potential in all of her six children and sought to create opportunities for us to realize our skills and talents. Um, and to make changes in our own worlds and realise who we can fully be as well. Uh, when I was growing up, my mother um, read to me and Becky um, this book. I have a prop today. It's called Ten Girls Who Changed the World. Um, and my mother would read this book to us, stories about Corrie Ten Boom and how her and her family um, hid Jews in their house and Joni Erickson Tata and about how um, she had tragedy happen to her and had incredible suffering but still managed to change the world and Jackie Pullinger working behind the Iron Curtain. All these stories about women of faith who were wonderful servants for God. And in reading stories like this, our mum sowed a culture in our house of believing and, and teaching us kids that we too could be girls who changed the world, kids who could change the world. Um, and between the six of us, we have presented an exceptionally wide range of interests and talents and skills. Uh, and I think that my mother has done a beautiful job of mentoring and inputting into each of our lives and speaking and calling out our potential and providing opportunities for each and every single one of us which is no easy feat with six uh, but providing opportunities for each of us to realize who we are and who we're called to be and what we're on the planet to do uh, but as well as having a mum who has called out the potential um, and created opportunities i've been so blessed to grow up in our st norman's baptist church community um, so many of you have actually seen me grow up from, from yay high um, to, this, to this position today. And there are so many of you who have encouraged me along the way. Do you know that every single time that you attend church on a day that you know that I'm speaking or you tune into a YouTube channel uh, to watch a recording, that you are providing an opportunity for me. Um, to grow in, 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 in the skill of speaking and sharing what God puts in my heart. Do you know that every single time that you have given to Acts 
or you have come to a fundraising event or you've come to a women's event that you guys have provided the opportunity for me to grow in my skills and my talents and to realize what I'm on the planet to do. Uh, but also, you know, as well as providing the opportunity and attending things and creating that space for me to do those things, you guys have also been a wonderful, wonderful encouragement to me. You know, coming up to me afterwards and saying, you know, that really impacted me, you did such a good job, but so, so, so encouraging. Um, and that's not um, appreciated by me for the sake of inflating my ego, that's never ever the case. But what that has done for me has been a wonderful way of me actually um, really feeling quite confident that when I speak that I've actually heard God's voice correctly. Um, and so really I am so abundantly grateful to each and every single one of, of the women in our church community, but the men too, this is a message very much for the men as well as the women, um, for you guys creating the opportunity for me, but also for calling out and encouraging me on my journey uh, to date. And I just really want to take the opportunity to, to honour our church's leadership. Do you know... And I think it's wonderful, and I'm sure you've noticed this, that it is not uncommon at our church on a Sunday morning to see young people doing the notices or young people on band or praying for people. Or, and I just think that that is such a beautiful and powerful thing that in our church families, we have a culture of providing opportunities for our young people, just like Mary provided Jesus, providing the opportunities for them. But also, there is a beautiful culture in our church family of encouraging our young people. And I just want to honour and acknowledge um, each and every single one of you for playing a part in that culture and calling out the young people. Um, as a complete side note, um, I really encourage you, you know, just in this context of if you run a ministry at all in our church, no matter what it is, um, or you run a service, that, anything really, that you talk to Seb. Um, and see if there uh, might be any young people that he knows of who might be interested in joining in on that ministry and who might have skills and talents that align with what your ministry is doing so that they, we are continually providing opportunities for our young people to grow and to realise their potential. Uh, but whether or, not you, whether or not you run a ministry or not, by attending church, by coming on a Sunday and encouraging our young people and praying for them, um, all the wonderful young people that we have in our care, by coming, encouraging and praying, you um, are, are really creating a safe environment for young people to flourish, to realise who they are and who they're called to be, just like Mary did. Um, and I really believe that if we can really take Mary's example here, which I just think is just so cool, if we can take Mary's example, that we will continue to see our young people encouraged, called out to be who they are, um, and released and realising what their potential is on this planet um, and really striving and moving into it. So that was the first thing I really wanted to, to talk into and just really honouring and acknowledge you all for. Uh, but also, um, one of the things that I also think has had a really big impact on me, but I really believe has a massive impact on all young people, is role modelling. Um, I think that what kids... And this has certainly been true of me. What they witness, they replicate. Uh, and in the Bible, um, jumping right into Genesis, uh, way at the other end of the Bible, uh, in Genesis chapter 24, 25, we meet Rebecca. 
who I think is a completely fascinating biblical character. And in chapters uh, 30, we meet Leah and Rachel as well. And these women, I think, their role modeling and their behavior, I think, really impacts their legacy. Um, and I think if we, if we can trace really like what happened with the brothers selling Joseph into slavery, I really think that you can trace some of that back to the role modeling and the example that these women set. Uh, so, if you want to head um, to oh, Genesis chapter 25. Um, so, we start here with Rebecca, who I, like I said, fascinating, fascinating woman. Uh, and the context here is that she's married Isaac, um, and she's given birth to Esau and Jacob. And chapter 25 says, chapter 25 verse 28 says, so the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. And I think scripture here really implies, and as we will see in future scripture, that, that Rebekah really favoured Jacob over Esau. And what is interesting here, is that as well as favouring Jacob, it is Rebecca who actually is the one who thought to deceive Isaac, her husband, and to, for Jacob to rob his brother of his birthright. It was actually Rebecca's idea for Jacob to go out and put her in his arms, and she actively thought of that scheme and took an active part in implementing it. And, uh, and so I read scripture like that, and what absolutely strikes me is that, and I wonder, is it's like, is it any wonder that having had a mum who favoured him, who created competition between her kids, who elevated Jacob over Esau and really did favour him, is it any wonder that as a result of that, when it came for Jacob to parent his 12 sons, that he in turn had favourites and created competition and elevated Joseph over his other sons. Um, and then we meet Leah and Rachel uh, later on in a couple of chapters when Jacob is in the season of life where he's getting married. And I, there, I really, Genesis 30 just absolutely breaks my heart. It talks about how Leah feels so unloved. The Bible says Leah feels unloved by Jacob. And um, that even though she has borne him all of these sons, which she thinks will warrant the love that her heart desires, she knows that Jacob doesn't love her. And then by contrast, her sister Rachel is loved by Jacob. The Bible says that. Uh, but Rachel can't have kids. And so we have a situation in which these sisters are jealous of one another. And Genesis 30, it says, um, now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children. Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. And uh, as you know, um, essentially these sisters try to outbreed each other in some very, very fascinating ways. Um, and, but I wonder, again, I read passages like this and I wonder, you know, for those 12 boys and for Dinah, 
What was it like for them in this home environment? What was it like for them to grow up in a home environment where jealousy and bitterness was so tangible um, in their home life? And Leah and Rachel modeled, I think, that when you're jealous, you take action. You do something about it. Um, they modeled vengeance um, and trying to outdo each other. And so just as Rebecca uh, modeled to Jacob favoritism and competition and elevation of kids over another, Leah and Rachel, I really believe they modeled to those, to those 12 sons and to Dinah that when you're jealous, you take action, you do something about it. And I'm not saying that Leah and Rachel's behaviour is the only is the only reason that um, the brothers ended up selling Joseph into slavery. Um, this is an exceptionally complex family environment, as we per know. Um, but I'm saying that perhaps it was a contributing factor that these boys grew up in a home environment where, where their mothers modelled that kind of behaviour, and that was okay. Um, and so I ask you the question today, folks. Um, what behaviour are you role modelling um, in your home environments and in church? And uh, my mother, um, again, has been a wonderful role model um, for Christ-centred um, living. Uh, some of my early, like, earliest memories are of my mum um, at night, um, when everyone else has gone to bed, um, she would just take a couple of minutes at night at the end of the day and she'd put on a CD, because we had CDs back then, um, and she would sit in the lounge and she would put on Delirious and she would spend some time worshipping God at the end of the day. Um, and I remember that so vividly, watching her worship. Um, and as a family, as well as developing a culture of worship, she has developed a culture of prayer. We are a family that prays for one another. Um, we, before any significant event, our family will come together and mum will lead this, that our family will come together and we'll either circle people tangibly or we'll put um, prayer requests in our family chat, but we are a family that prays and that is purely because of our mother's example that, when, um, that whenever something big or anything in life, you come to God in prayer always. Um, and I know that as well as leading us in prayer, she has prayed fervently for all six of us in different seasons of our lives. Uh, but also as well as modelling worship and as well as modelling prayer, gosh, um, she has sacrificed heavily for us. Um, my mother, bless her heart, she got over tempting a couple of decades ago. Um, Dad really kind of overcooked his eggs in that sense. Uh, but um, I remember when we were teen teenagers, like um, my mother would organise um, for me and Becky to go to parachute, for example. And even though my mother probably didn't want to spend the weekend surrounded by thousands of people in a tent, uh, she organised that and took us on, on those kinds of experiences. And at Parachute, there, I have vivid memories of some really key defining moments um, in my life and in my Christian journey that I never would have had if my mother hadn't been willing to be uncomfortable for a weekend um, and give up holiday time and be uncomfortable so that we could have those opportunities. Um, and the result of that will be that if I ever reproduce, and that is you know, a massive if, not the most maternal person on the planet, but I know my mother prays for this, that if I ever reproduce, um, my house will be a house 
where um, worship is going all the time, that we'll be a family who prays for one another and I will be saving and putting money aside and sacrificing to be able to give my kids the same opportunities that my mum has given me. And that will be a direct legacy of the way that my mum has parented me and the role model that she has, has been. Um, but as well as, as having a wonderful role model at home, there are wonderful role models in our church community um, who have also modelled so many other facets of Christian living, of Christ-centred living and servantship. Um, I think of people like Sandra Alp. Um, recently, you know, John shared about how when they first came to church, um, when their three kids were really young, you know, flights to Auckland were super, super expensive and so they could only afford to go to Auckland once a year. Um, and so I just think about when they made that decision to come to Christchurch, you know, the sacrifice that they were willing to make to fill the call and to be willing to come and be our pastors, pastors um, the sacrifices that they made um, to not be with their parents and not be with their friends. And now, even though their three kids and their beautiful grandson are all living up in Auckland, um, Sandra and John, they remain there because they uh, feel called to lead us in this season. And I just think, and am so encouraged and inspired by the sacrificial servantship that that models to me. Um, I think about people like Marie Tomsett. Marie Tomsett is a wonderful includer wonderful hospitable person who loves having people around at her house anyone is welcome in the Tomset household um, and I just think that is such a beautiful example of Christ's heart that everyone is welcome in Christ's body and everyone is welcome to have fun in a hospitable way and and um, I think of people like Glennis Dodge um, who has wonderfully, like Marie, opened up her home to host Alpha dinners for years and years and years um, but also being willing to give out crockery and but also as well as being super hospitable also just such a caring heart as Glennis Dodge. Do you know that whenever our family was in crisis growing up, Glennis Dodge would show up with marshmallow slice. You ask anyone in the Button household what Glennis Dodge is it like bakes awesome and it is marshmallow slice and that's because Glennis Dodge showed a real interest in our family and was always willing just to do something nice whenever she knew we were going through hardship and I just think that that is a beautiful example of what being a part of Christ's body is all about. Um, and so I just want whether or not I've acknowledged you um, personally tonight, today, this morning, um, I really encourage you that um, all the women in church, that whether or not it is acknowledged, um, you're serving, it matters, and it's noticed. Um, I've noticed that growing up, I've learned stuff from it, I've picked up stuff from it. Um, and you may feel like no one notices, but, but you'd be amazed. And I just really encourage you that, like I, I have, I've noticed the wonderful examples of women that we've got in our church and what you do. And I'm inspired by that. And I know others are as well. Um, I have a couple of extra minutes. Um, so one of the, and as a complete side note, um, I really felt as I was preparing this message um, that the Lord really impressed on me um, that someone needed to hear something today. Um, so I'm just going to just share that with you now. Um, when I was 
um, doing the research for the sermon, I was feeling a little bit uneasy and not at peace about whether or not my content was biblically based enough or not, or whether it was really what God wanted me to share today. And so in a moment of a little bit of anxiety about all of that, I hopped on Google, as anyone does, and I googled great mums in the Bible. <laughs> and if you do that Google search, there are all kinds of funny articles that pop up. Um, but one of these articles um, it had top 10 mothers in the Bible. And so I'm like, yeah, click into that. And it listed Sarah, which I think is very fascinating considering um, how she treated Hagar. Um, it had Hagar, it had Rebecca, who I've just shared about. It had Leah and Rachel, who I've just shared about. It had Hannah, who, granted, amazing woman of faith. Um, but technically, if we're going to be technical about it, um, you can't really comment on Hannah's parenting because she gave her baby um, up as she promised to God right at the very beginning. Uh, and so, but even Mary, even Mary... Um, forgot Jesus at the temple and left him there for a day. Um, so I really just felt to share that with someone in the sense that there's no such thing as the perfect mum in the Bible. There's no biblical example of it. Um, and that it's actually okay to make mistakes. Um, that your mistakes don't define you as a parent. Um, and that if you feel like you've made them, it's actually okay. Your mistakes don't define you. Christ defines you. Uh, but also, I really felt that um, to share that, you know, I have made, personally, I have made some whopper mistakes in my time. Um, and that those mistakes that I have made are absolutely no representation of who my mother is or her success as a parent. Um, as I've shared, I have had the best upbringing one could possibly have. Um, and I have still made mistakes. And they, they have, that has been because of personal decisions that I have made. And there's no representation of my mother at all. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to share that actually, if you feel like you've made mistakes as a parent, it's okay. But neither your mistakes as a parent nor the mistakes of your children um, define you. Um, the, the Bible, one of the things I love about it is that in its, clim in its story of building up to the climatic point, it is filled with stories of people who make mistakes but that God uses anyway. Mistakes don't define at all. Christ does. Um, so I hope that that encourages someone out there today. Uh, but just to finish up uh, and continuing, returning back uh, to my two points um, around encouraging, around calling out people, around providing opportunities, but also being awesome role models. Um, recently, my dad... Um, and I were out driving somewhere, I don't remember, um, but we pulled up behind Kat and Caleb. Um, they didn't realise this, um, and we, uh, my dad just said in the car, he said, oh, you know, like, that wee girl, Nadia, she's got the best start to life. And I said, yep, yeah, Dad, she, she really, really does. And not just because she has got wonderful parents, which she does, um, or an awesome extended family who love her, which she does, but also because that wee girl is planted in church community. Um, I love seeing Sarah Tomset with Nadia um, and how Sarah just lights up when she spends time with her and how the fact that Nadia has been aqua-jogging with her mum and Nay and Sarah in the evenings and has been to Easter camp and to youth camps um, and who runs down 
the church on a Sunday morning when we're all out there to see her grandma. I love seeing that girl planted in church community. And I just think that if we um, can can love her and love all of the babies that we've got at the moment, but all of our kids and all of our young people and all of our adults, if we can continue to create a culture where they are given opportunities to grow, uh, where they are encouraged at every point in the way, where they are given wonderful examples of Christ stewardship, that we um, as a church family will be so excited to see where, where to see people realise their God-given potential released into what it is they have planned uh, and really, really just maximising and having awesome lives and, and we just get to play a part in it. So I hope that you have enjoyed that message today. Uh, I am now going to be passing over to another wonderful role model in our church community. I think this woman exemplifies commitment at every level. She loves her family. Um, she is super, super committed in the sense that, I mean, she sticks with ministries for a long time. She does the journey with people. Got a real heart for the lost. Um, got a real heart for the church. And so I hope that you enjoy hearing Linda Collins' testimony right now. Have a great day, church. Can't wait to see you all soon.